0: Good morning, I want to greet you all in Christ's precious name this morning. Is it flowing through us? That that needs to be. Uh, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, as we just come before thee this morning, we thank you, Lord, that, that your grace is there for us, Lord, and that, that if we're willing to accept it, Lord, that we can we can dwell with one another in unity and that we can keep pressing on, Lord. Just ask you just to, may you be with my words this morning, Lord, bring forth what you want brought forth, Lord, and just ask you just be with this service, may you bless it, and bring an honor and glory to you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This morning is going to be a little bit, last uh, Sunday I would shared on unity, and I just could not get that out of my mind. So, uh, I'm going to keep, a, kind of look at it a little bit more in depth, what does it mean. Uh, so, I'm going to read a Psalms 133 and also Ephesians 4. I think one through sixteen. So Psalms one thirty three it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down, upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts or the edge of his garments. As the dew of Heron, Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And as I looked at that, I looked a little, a little bit this morning, what is the do of Herman, or why did they bring that out? And uh, I'll see if I can pull it up as another person would have done a little study on it. And I had to think there had to be something different about this do that, that we aren't used to. And I'll just read this. It says back in, it says back in Psalms 133, this morning it mentions the do of Herman, "Thank God in the life of every child of God, there is a freshness and a sweetness in living for God. Do the Bible with a sign of God's favor and blessings upon the children of Israel. In what greater way can God favor you and me than to pour out his precious holy spirit upon our lives?" I'm glad this morning that God has favored the church in giving us the power of his blessings. Every time it dewed on the children of Israel was a fulfillment of a divine promise. It only dews on our lives when condition is right. We can have all God we want to have, and God is still pouring out water upon the thirsty, and he's still refreshing the saints of God. In the hot Mediterranean climate, dew was vital to plant life. It was distilled in the night season and never after a storm. The dew is a fit symbol of the unity of the spirit. In Palestine from May May to October was their drought season and all form of vegetation would disappear from off the region because it gets so dry and hot there. The only thing that will sustain that land is in the coolness of the night God will send a gracious dew. Sometimes it gets a little weary and dry in a Christian life. But I'm so glad God will sustain His children moment by moment, day by day, refreshing us with the dew of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's right. Need to see where I am. I had to switch papers here. That will help us to keep help us to keep going when we feel like giving up. I like it when we can. Step out in the dew tracks where his presence is so thick in our midst. What causes dew? Dew is when warm air passes over the cold surface and condensation is formed called dew. Aren't you glad when the warm winds of the Holy Ghost breeze on our cold, cold hearts and it's not long before the dew starts forming? And then it just has a few interesting uh, comments. It says Number one, it says, There has to be sunshine during the day for the dew at night. And I thought it was an interesting comment. We need to have the love of God in our hearts or the sunshine, if we expect to do there God's blessing there. Dew comes in the night season when nobody knows it. Dew doesn't make any noise when it comes or how God speaks in his still small voice, and works a lot of times in the stillness when we are calm and still. Dew is best seen in the early morning. The best time the fellowship with God is in the quiet early morning before the activities of the day get gets started. Dew saturates everything that it gets on, but it is the thickest on that which is the closest to the ground. It doesn't do everywhere. It has been said that Mount Hermon is so high that the dew gets so thick in puddles that it can't hold all of it, so it runs down the side of the mountain and wets the land around it. And I thought that was very interesting. So when he talks about the dew of Hermon, it's talking about puddles that are overflowing. And that's where we have to realize that God's blessing is there. It's going to overflow. And then as I did a little side reference, uh, there in Genesis 13 8. What does unity? What does unity mean? And I have picked some verses out just here and there, so I feel I'm trying to bring it into context. But maybe it's not exactly what I'm bringing forth this morning. But I try to. It says, and Abraham said unto Lot, "Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren." And I had to look at that phrase there at the last. We be brethren. Let us dwell in unity, because we're brethren. We're brethren one for another. We're, we're here to help each other out. Hebrews 13.1 says, let brotherly love continue. Let's not let it stop. Let's, uh, let's, let's let it continue. As I'm thinking here with the ordination coming up, even if we feel the voice we have shared may not come forth, but that we can dwell in unity afterwards. I keep hearing the phrase that the church goes through trial after ordination and the question that keeps coming to mind, does it have to? If we're in unity one with another, I don't, I mean, it might, how would you say, it might go through, it's going to go through change, but it doesn't have to be a hardship or a a drought, a dry place. And it says, God, God blesses unity, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Then Ephesians 4 1 through 16. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, wherewith he saith, when he ascended up on high... He laid captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that we also descended also descend first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry, For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So I want to just key in a little bit there on a 16. It says, For whom the whole body fitly joined together. And I think that's for each one of us as brothers and sisters here. We need to be... So we realize a whole body without an eye is not, it's not whole anymore. But we need to be whole, a whole body fitly joined together. And I think God had a plan and a purpose for... I think one of the ministers, he oftentimes shared where I came from. He said, There's, it's not a mistake that we joined here and everyone else that are here. It's here for a reason. That's right. And that's the way I feel. It's not a mistake that... We have different backgrounds here. I think it's for the glory of God. He wanted this, as we heard there in studying Second Peter. We see it was a providence between the Jews and the Gentiles, or the misunderstandings. But God wanted that to be to where it can bring honor and glory to Him. He likes that when we can die to ourselves, bring unity, and worship and glorify Him. That's what He wants. So then, there it says, "What is the unity there in verse uh, four three? What is the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace?" And First Corinthians one ten, we'll turn there. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. As we see there, he doesn't want us to have divisions amongst us. He wants us to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And then first Corinthians one thirteen, just skipping a couple of verses down there, it says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So we can see there the question that he's asking is Christ, is there divisions in Christ? There is none. And then the question I just have for us are we divided on things that do not pertain to salvation? And next question is: Should we be, or strictly just our preferences? Just because we have a preference, can we be divided? And I think we see that in. Let's turn back here. I mean, we have one God. I was going to back to Ephesians four. There in Ephesians 4, 5, it says, We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So no, we cannot be divisive with just our preferences. And then above all, charity, we need to put on the love of Christ. We need to have charity. We need to love one another. And then also there in... Talks about unity in 4:13 uh, says till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness thereof. As we can look at that there and doing some research on that, it says in this this earth we can never have the fullness of that unity, but it's going to be when Christ returns. But I don't think just because we cannot obtain the perfectness. That doesn't mean that we don't strive for it. And that also talks about that we be mature. We be grown people. We maturity in our faith and where we stand for and that we aren't wishy-washy. That we know what we believe. Pelagians two 2.2 says that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father, and of Christ. So that again is saying is that we be knit together in love. We need to be united in love. 1 Corinthians 14.20 says, Be children in understanding, be mature, be men. Now that's just part of that verse. But I had to think of that. He's, he calls us, we're supposed to be children in understanding, but then it also says, be men. And when he's talking about men and the, men as being mature, don't don't be childish. Let's be men. Hebrews five fourteen. I'm gonna to turn to that there. What's the verse of Colossians again? You said decided... uh, that was First Corinthians. Sorry, First Corinthians fourteen twenty. You have one before that. Colossians. Yes, Colossians two two. Hebrews 5.14 says, But the strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So as we can see there, it says, not necessarily, I would say, you have to be a certain age, but it's asking you to be mature. Because we know by reason of those that, that use their senses, the more you... Older you grow and the more you eat, you're going to use your senses. And that's what he's just saying. Let's not be childish, but let's, uh, let's have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He brings out again there, we need to be mature. And in First Peter 3, 8 through 10... So he's, Finally, be ye all one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no gal. So as we can see there again, let us be... Let us have the heart of unity and refrain from speaking God gau- one another, but to lift each other up. And in Philippians 2.2, 2, I have that one just wrote down. says, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being a one accord and a one mind. As we can see there, God gets joy out of seeing people work together and have unity. God wants them. And then Romans 151 through7 says, "We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For who whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. So there we can see again unity. We need to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. That ye may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. So as we can see there, there's definitely a blessing in being in unity. And I thought it was kind of interesting this morning, my wife started writing up on the board and the team, about teamwork. And it was talking to the family, and I was like, Well, can I have a copy of that? Because it fit in so she didn't know what I was gonna talk about, but yeah. Kinda it kinda how would you say, in my mind I was like, okay, it must must be. So I'm gonna read this. I know it says family, and I'll try to I'll try to switch to the church, but uh, I might get it mixed up. It says every church should operate as a team. But well, first the title is teamwork. You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. Nehemiah 2.17 Every church should operate as a team. No matter what the size of your church, whether you are a single person with one family member, I guess it says, with one child, or married with five children... Your church is your team. Loyalty, unity, and respect are three characteristics of great teams. Loyalty, teach your children or your church that your church will pull together to protect, guide, and support one another. Then unity, teach your church the motto, all for one and one for all. There are times when certain church members will be asked to sacrifice for another church member sitting through multiple, say, sports practices, but I would say meetings or just encouragement, uh, understandings. It says, teach your children that sacrifice is given out of love and dedication one to another. Remind your children or your church that we all sacrifice at one time or another. And then respect. Church members should respect one another and themselves Even you, says the mom, but I think all of us included, each one of us should show your children or your church respect and not demean them in any way or embarrass them. Respect is needed throughout the team in order for a team to be successful. So as I read through this, you know, there's a lot of analogies. We as a church, sometimes we see the highs, sometimes we see the lows. But, But let's work together as a team. The same, same way as if any team, even if someone we feel don't hit as best as someone else, let's not put them down. They might be the best catcher. And that's what we as a church are, to unity. Build one another up. Keep pressing on. Don't tear each other down. But uh, we are we have all the same. They're like in, in uh, Ephesians 4 again. I'll just read that there. Ephesians 4, or 5. Or actually, I'll start there in 4. 3. It says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called, in one hope of your calling. So do we, we, rem- we need to remember our calling, that there is one. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So it's not just our God. It's one God. We all have the same God. That's right. And it's just so beautiful as a picture of also the Trinity. That's the same way and that's how unity as a church, we need to work together. Same as a 3 threefold cord. I remember hearing that many times in wedding messages. Is that a three-strung three, uh, three, uh, cord cannot be easily broken. And it's a husband and wife and they're drawing closer to Jesus. It's a triangle. And that's the same way for us as as members of the church, we don't stand out here alone. But we point to each other and point to Christ. So that's just one to encourage us that we uh, keep our eyes focused on unity. We have the same God. We have one Lord. We have one faith. One baptism. Let's believe in that. God answer His blessings.